0: Well, the song says, summertime, and the living is easy. Well, that may be so for those that have air conditioning 24-7, where you work, in your car, in your house. But what about those mostly men uh, that are out working on the roads, that are doing roofing? I cannot imagine being on one These roofs on the second, third floor of a house putting on a new black roof with the sun beating down on you all day long. Oh, man. What about those that are first responders? They have to get out and fight fires, get out and uh, take care of accidents, whatever. Farmers. You know, my wife grew up on a dairy farm and her brother was still running the farm when we first got married. And I'd go out and I'd help them with the bailing. Ah, I cannot imagine them to do that every year, to, you know, summer after summer. Those are, are in sports training, okay? The NFL, they're all in their uh, training camps now, getting ready for the season. And some of them are in places where it's a little cooler. And some of them are inside, but some of them are out. You know, colleges, high schools are starting now too those that are out doing landscaping, mowing the lawns, and doing that sort of stuff. And of course, the homeless. You know, a lot of them try to get into the libraries or you know someplace where it's cool. And what about those people that live like where I grew up in Western New York, and not very many people have uh, air conditioning. Maybe they've got an air conditioner in their bedroom Maybe they've got one in the living room, but that's pretty much it. You know, with us having air conditioning in our closets and everything here, we don't think much about it. And in places like that, it doesn't have to get up to 97 or 103 or 111. If you don't have air conditioning to keep cool, you know, when it gets in the mid 80s, it's kind of hot. Diane and I went to. Jamaica 10, 12 years ago, the end of June. It was the first time Diane had gone, and it was hot. And the um, mission house we were staying in, had no AC. We had this big fan on each side of the bed blowing on us. And the places that we were going to, the schools or churches, they didn't have AC. You may be going to a store or a restaurant, they may have had AC, but... You know, they have it set like 84, and of course that's a lot cooler than being outside, but doesn't take long for it to feel like there's no AC on at all. So it's easy for us to get used to things and to take things for granted. You know, we enjoy certain things, and we just kind of assume that everyone else has them. You know, Willis Carrier is a man to be celebrated this time of year, the inventor of the, the air conditioner. And so, you know, he should have a, a statue in every city throughout the South and the West especially. But, you know, people in western New York are complaining about the heat. And all, but in three months, it could be snowing there. So they need to remember that too. Because the same people that complain about the heat are the same ones that complain about the cold. Isn't it great that God is consistent every day for eternity? Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks for who you are. And Lord, we thank you for uh, the blessings that we have. Father, we thank you for uh, our homes and uh, just the, the things that we possess. You've blessed us with. Father, we thank you for uh, just meeting all of our needs. And so, Lord, as we look at this message, Father, help us to get out of it what you want us to get. Okay, let us get your message, not my message, but yours. So, Father, open our ears, our hearts, our minds, and let the Holy Spirit speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, if you're a follower of some kind, of As Is Ministries in the podcast, you know what's coming this month because if you've looked at your calendar, there's five Tuesdays. So one will be set aside. I usually talk about giving or tithing or money or spending or whatever. This time's gonna be a little bit different because I'm gonna talk about stewardship, but not about any of those topics. Instead, I'm going to be looking at being good stewards of ourselves. Ourselves? Yeah, we are given time, talent, and treasures. And I want to look at what we are called to be doing for the Lord. It's kind of a combination of time and talent. Because we're all given the same amount of time. We don't know how many days, how many years we have on the earth. But we know there's 24 hours in every day and 60 minutes in every hour and all that sort of stuff. So we all have that, it's the same. Talent, hmm, that's something else. You know, we're not all given the same talents. And some people think, well, I don't have any talent at all. You know, I guess I was in the wrong line when the Lord was passing out talents. I just don't have any talents at all. Well, you're wrong. Okay, listen to what Paul says in Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. He says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Okay? So God does not expect each of us to be capable of, you know, just all doing the same things. Okay, I'm going to give you um, Romans 12, 6 through 8, and this is from the message. And I I really like this because I think this, to me, gives me a great understanding of these verses. Okay, because it says, if you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching if you give encouraging guidance be careful that you don't get bossy if you're put in charge don't manipulate if you're called to give aid to people in distress keep your eyes open and be quick to respond if you work with a disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them keep a smile on your face okay i think that really you know, opens that passage up, at least it does to me. If you want to read it in something else, go ahead. Okay, in 1 Corinthians 12, 14 to 22, Paul is telling us about our physical body in many parts, okay? It's where it says, you know, we can't all be hand, we can't all be an eye. You know, if we were, everybody was an eye, you know, then you know, how would we be able to hear and all of that? So, you know, you can look that up if you want to. But it, it says too, that we can't all be evangelists, teachers, preachers. We can't all be musicians or the treasurers. We can't all be the chairperson of the trustees or the board. And also, you know, we need to realize that there's things that uh, we're all called differently to do. So Paul gives us some really important advice in Ephesians 2, 8-10, <coughs> excuse me, the first two verses we should all know, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Okay, now here's verse 10, this is one that I really want you to hear, it says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, again, let me go to the message on that. It says, he creates each of us by Jesus Christ to join him in the work that he does. The good work he's gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Okay, so God has planned, you know, for each one of us to be serving him in some capacity. Okay, some to be evangelists, teachers, preachers, you know, whatever it might be. You know, that's God's plan, you know, before you were born, because it says that it was planned in advance for us to do. It's not, you know, John Doe comes to the Lord today and God says, oh, I better figure out what I want John to be doing, you know, because I don't want John to be doing something that he shouldn't be doing. So I better get on this right away. No, that's not the way it works. You know, before John was even born, God had figured out what John was going to be doing. So listen to Jesus' words in Matthew 20, 25 to 28. Okay, it says, and this is after the, the sons of thunder, James and John, uh, had asked for special privileges, and the other disciples, they got ticked. Don't blame them, okay? You know, who are these guys that they should be treated special? So now he's going to talk to all 12. He gets them all together. And he says, okay, guys, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not so you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many." Okay, now by this time, the disciples had been with Jesus for a couple years. Okay, they had seen what Jesus is doing. They had seen how he was living his life. Okay, Jesus didn't sit around the synagogue waiting for people to come to him. He didn't, you know, set up a booth someplace, and say, you know, come on, and I'll heal you. You know, you got to come this way. You know, I'm not going to go to you. You got to come to me. That wasn't Jesus. And they had seen this in Matthew. Excuse me, in Matthew 8:20, Jesus said, "Foxes have dens, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head." Okay, so he's letting them know, you know, this is the way it is. You know, this is who I am. They knew that Jesus was not about stuff. He wasn't about being treated royally. He was kind of one of the guys. Okay, he walked everywhere he went. Okay, didn't go in a carriage, didn't go in a chariot, didn't even go on a donkey, except at one time that we know of. But he went without many things. So Jesus needs to be saying, You've been watching me. Now you need to do your part and be pulling your own weight. You know, I often pray when I'm in a congregation, whatever, if you know that Jesus came to set an example of how we should live. Okay, Jesus didn't just come to die for our sins, which he did, but he came also to set an example for us. So in Luke 9, 23 and 24, and this is a New Living Translation, We hear more of Jesus's wisdom. Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Take up your cross daily. What did Jesus mean by that? Well, Jesus knew that soon he was going to be taking up his cross. He knew the cross was going to be large. He knew the cross was going to be heavy. He knew that it was just going to be rough wood. You know, it wasn't smooth and finished. He, He knew they weren't going to give him a cushion to put on his shoulder. He knew that it was going to be difficult to carry it. Now, it's difficult under any circumstances to do that, you know, for a a young, strong man to do what Jesus did. But with Jesus, it was harder as he'd been beaten and probably lost half of his blood. So he knew that he'd only do it once, but he's telling us to pick up our cross daily, daily. Daily do what others don't want to do, but still needs to be done. Do what Jesus was about them, about to show them how to do it. Daily not back down from the task before us. And daily serve even when you don't want to. And daily serve those that sometimes they don't want to be served. Those that hate you, daily be Christ to everyone. Daily do what Jesus would do. Some days it will feel like we're carrying a cross. This is the last thing that you want to do. I know as a pastor, some of the the situations uh, that I would find myself in, you know, you're preparing for a funeral of a friend. Not something you wanted to do, even though you knew where that friend was and how he or she had lived their life. You know, and some days you feel like you're carrying a cross when you're maybe going to counsel a couple that's, you know, one of them maybe has been unfaithful in some way, or maybe daily working with a homeless. And sometimes they really don't want your help. You know, a lot of times, you know, we don't think about that. But sometimes there's people that they just don't want your help. Other days can be a lot better. Those days that maybe you get to go to the nursing home to visit that sweet little old lady that's been part of the church for 39 years that you've been there. And now she's got to go to the nursing home. And, you know, she just loves to see you and have tea with you and all, and, you know, those are the good days. And there's other days that, you know, you get to provide a ride for somebody, take them to the hospital or to doctor's appointment or whatever it might be. There's the good days when maybe you get to serve in a soup kitchen and you feel like you're really making a difference. Or maybe there's those days when you get to, to work with a the new mom, you know, she doesn't have a husband, her parents, you know, don't want anything to do with her, and here she is with this baby and she's just really relying on you. Those are days that are the good days that you pick up your cross. Granted, some of those situations have their own downside too. You know, to go to a nursing home, sometimes people aren't really pleasant. I remember going one time and visiting this one man that he had lived up behind us and he had to go to the nursing home. And I sat there and was talking to him and I says, well, is there anything I can bring in for you? And he says, yeah, you can bring me a gun so I can shoot that guy that sleeps in the other bed. Uh, oh, okay. You know, and so you try and get yourself out of that one. It always depends on who you're working with. Well, in John 15, I think Jesus gives us the plan of how things are to be. Okay, verses 1 through 5. Uh, I believe this is a New Living Translation. And Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I grew up in Concord grape country and worked in the grapes different times. Okay, the Grapes needed to be trimmed over the winter when they were dormant. Okay, Anytime after there was a good hard frost you could start trimming the grapes. And you trimmed off what was last year's fruit-producing vines and you also trimmed off any suckers that were growing up the sides of the vine and were taking nourishment from the vine. So putting this into context, John 15, uh, is you you trim off all the old people in your church because they're done producing. <laughs> Not really, I'm just kidding. Okay, you don't want to do that because they're the ones that are going to mentor the new believers and teach us all so much. Okay, besides, I, I guess at my time of life, I may be one of them that would get trimmed off. But what does get trimmed off is the suckers. The body of Christ, sometimes we see who's really working for the Lord and who's not. Those get trimmed to produce more fruit. Those are the ones that are anxious to serve, the ones that are looking for opportunities to be used, spending time in the word, making themselves available, you know, just being there, you know, using the talents that they know that they have. Okay, These are the ones that are gonna bring others to Christ. These are the ones that are going to go places that other peoples don't want to go. They're the ones that are going to boldly share the gospel of Jesus. They're the ones that will anxiously anxiously pick up that cross daily and do what they've been called to do. In verse 5, Jesus emphasizes the connection to himself. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce fruit. The connection has to be there. Without it, you're useless for the kingdom. (coughs) Excuse me. In verse 16, Jesus says this, You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Lasting fruit. Not just go and produce fruit. Produce lasting fruit. The Greek for the word lasting is meno which means to remain, endure, last, continue, to stand. Okay, so it's not up to us to know the results of the work we do. Some of it lasts, some of it doesn't. We're just called to do it. I want to go back to what Paul said in Ephesians 2.10. God prepared in advance works for us to do. When you knelt at the altar or you raised your hand in a congregation or a crowd of people at a concert maybe, or by your bed, or whenever, however, you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. That was not the end, okay? That was the beginning, the new beginning. Now the work begins. So this is when you need to find out where and how you're to be used for God. Gain okay, your time, your talent, your treasures. Now, some are willing to use their talents for the Lord. You know, they're maybe a teacher or a musician of some kind, whatever it may be. And, you know, they're they're ready to use those talents for the Lord. You know, praise God. And some are not as willing to use their treasures for the Lord. You know, 10%. Really? You don't mean, you really mean that? Some would be more willing, though, to use their treasures than their time. You know, they would rather write out a check than to give you some of their valuable time. You know, I remember when we were a young family, four kids in a little over five years, involved in many things. Soccer season was chaotic. There were times when we had four kids in four different age groups playing soccer going in four different directions rehearsals at school for band chorus plays you know time is a valuable thing and we receive it every day from the lord and he did not structure our lives into chaos that's kind of all on us. We brought the chaos on ourselves because God even set aside a whole day for us to give to himself. How you doing on that one? Exodus 20 verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, the NIV tells us. Now let me tell you what the message says about the Sabbath day. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Work six days and do everything you need to do. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to God, your God. Don't do any work, not you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your servant, nor your maid, nor your animals, not even the foreign guest visiting in your town. For in six days, God made heaven, earth, the sea, and everything in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, God blessed the Sabbath day. He set it apart as a holy day. You know, I think this is an area of struggle for most believers because Sunday just seems to be a day to get caught up on everything that's been neglected all week. You know, it's a, <coughs> excuse me, the number two retail day. You know, if you go to Lowe's, go to the grocery store, go to Walmart, Costco on a Sunday, it's shoulder to shoulder. Not anybody's looking at it as a holy day, okay? Now, when I was growing up, it wasn't that way. The stores weren't open, so you couldn't go to the store if you, if you wanted to. And I think a lot of churches stress keeping the Sabbath holy a whole lot more than it's done now. So what are we to do? Give God our time first and fit everything else in around him. Sounds kind of crazy, but we can make it work if we commit to doing it. For most of us, some drastic changes are going to have to occur. And when it's not just you that has to make those changes, yeah, you may find some resistance. But when we made God our priority, (coughs) excuse me, he will show us how, when, and where to be using our time and to be serving him. Did I mention it's not gonna be easy? Because it won't. When Jesus carried his cross, that wasn't easy either. You know, once we found our place in the body and we find how we're to serve, you know, sometimes we can get distracted when we're trying to do God's work. Let me share something with you that I can really relate to. Okay, I believe it was a woman that wrote this. But it says, I needed to do the laundry. But then I realized I was out of detergent. So I went to write a shopping list and I realized how unorganized the junk drawer was and started checking pens for ink. When I went to toss all the junk, I saw the trash is full, but before I took it out, I wanted to get rid of the old food in the refrigerator. That's when I realized a juice container had leaked, so it needed to be cleaned up. But when I went to grab a rag, I saw that the pantry closet was a nightmare, so I started organizing it. And that's when I ended up on the floor looking at my old photo albums from the 90s and not doing the laundry. Been there? I've been there. I'm probably there every day at some time, okay? When I start to do something, it distracts me to something else. It can happen with doing the Lord's work. Satan's good at distracting us, okay? So that's why we need to be making sure that we're not falling into that trap. I want to share the words to a favorite hymn of mine. Is I, the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry. All who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will save. I, who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright. Who will bear my light to them? Whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. I, the Lord of snow and rain, I have borne my people's pain. I have wept for love of them. They turn away. I will break their hearts of stone, give them hearts for love alone. I will speak my word to them. Whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. I, the Lord of wind and rain, I will tend the poor and lame. I will set a feast for them. My hand will save. Finest bread I will provide till their hearts be satisfied. I will give my life to them. Whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord is it i lord i have heard you calling in the night i will go lord if you lead me i will hold your people in my heart i want to share something else i saw the other day pray as if everything depends on god work as if everything depends on you let's pray Father, I give you thanks for those that know you and love you, those that are serving you faithfully in uh, many, many different ways, many places, doing things that I wouldn't want to do, reaching people that I would never reach. Lord, I give you thanks for them. But, Lord, I know that sometimes they may be ready to just set that cross aside because it's just gotten too heavy. Lord, let them remember that Jesus said, put my yoke upon you, for my burden is light. He didn't expect us to take that cross by ourselves. So Lord, help us to remember that. Lord, I lift up anyone that may be listening that, that doesn't know you, that has maybe heard about you, has maybe read about you, has maybe gone to church just one time in their life or maybe they've gone to church for years. But Lord, they've never made a commitment to you. Lord, let now, let today be the time that they do that. Father, let them pray a prayer like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Thank you for sending Jesus, your son, the only savior. I believe that he is your son and that he died for my sins so I can spend eternity with you. Thank you, in Jesus' wonderful, precious name, amen.